You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Houseman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now. Hey guys, the journey on Houndsman XP is teamed up with Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform that was made for hunters by hunters. If you guys and gals have listened to any of the other podcasts that I've been on, you know what a huge outdoor enthusiast I am. I love being in the woods with my hounds. There's nothing more exciting than hearing the thunder of a spring gobbler. I love fishing for trout in the brooks and the streams. And I love being on the river chasing that ever-elusive fish of a thousand casts, the muskie. Go Wild is the place that I can post my trophies, hunts, and memories without being censored. But Go Wild is so much more than that. It's a place to share your stories, sharpen your skills, hone your tactics, get gear reviews, and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. If y'all purchase anything from Go Wild, make sure that you're using the Houndsman XP promo code. And that code is going to be HXP10. So when you go in there and you download your cart, when you come up to the bottom and it says promo code, add Houndsman XP to it. On this episode of The Journey, BB and I had a conversation and he brought up a good point. And we were talking about 
how we got started, like so many things go into owning a hound and hound hunting that basically this is just going to be a 101 class. You know, what, what does it take to own a hound? Have you thought about what it's going to, um, and it's going to take and the commitment that you're going to have to have from, you know, starting with your first dog and we'll go through that on what we feel like is the, the, the best route and all the way up to training it, finish it to the land that you hunt. So this, this episode is going to be about, um, the process, you know, the journey's about the process. We like to go from A to Z. So we're going to start walking everybody through those steps. And you guys that have been doing this for a long time, it's just a way of life for you, kind of like what it is for us. And we just, we've learned and we've made errors and mistakes and we tweak and we twist. And, you know, we just go through life now like, you know, it's no big deal. But, you know, for somebody starting out, it's... um. It's definitely a very big task to take on, and I think we've got a lot of good points and good um, information that you people that are the people that are trying to start hound hunting. This is going to be a great, great, great listen for you guys. So, I've got BB with me, Brent. I don't know why I just call you BB all the time, but <laughs> I got BB with us again. Um, he's the one that brought this up, so that's who I'm going to talk to about it because. He was the one that brought it to my attention through a conversation. So, how's everything down east today, B? Oh, it's doing good. Doing good. We had a good little race this morning. I so seen that. that. I'm a little jealous. And then he walked and bathed for about an hour with two 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 year olds and a one year old. So, and then uh, some other puppies. So, yeah, nice. And I I knew exactly where you were at too. I was like, oh <laughs> man, come on now. Yeah, but you know, it's, you know, getting those young dogs out and. And was Doug was running today? Yeah, he brought two yeah. dogs. Yeah, well, good. You know, I'm like I said, I'm envious. Like I'm gonna, I know I couldn't get down there this week, but not not this coming week, but the week after, if the weather's not too bad, I'm hopefully I'll I'll be back for a couple of days, and we can get after them and at least get them get them in the right direction. Any get mine in the right direction because after the last trip, I realized that mine are a little bit out of shape. And these the the young dog, the puppy and I call them puppies. They're the year old dogs. Um, like that's really the, I had them down there last October, but they were seven months old. You know they're over a year old now, and you know that terrain's just different. Like when I got home, and again I'm gonna, I'm going to shout out to to the one TDC. I did not have my dogs on it right now, and when I got home, two of my young dogs. Their joints were their front their front um, joints were swelled up, and I mean they looked like they'd been through a bus all in the front end where they gotten all them briars. Yeah, they can they can pick them for sure. Yeah, I mean it was tough. Like, yeah, it was tough. And I thought to myself, next time, uh, like I'll 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 get them back on the one TDC probably this the first of this coming week and have them have them on it for a week or so before I get back down there because it does make a big difference um, in the dogs and. Like I said, I, I kind of felt bad when I got home in Attica. Man, she was swelled up. And I'm like, I could have prevented that, and I just didn't. So that was on me. But, well, good. So I'm just going to start this out with a little, uh, with a brief, I'll do it as brief as I can about, I know I've talked about it on previous podcasts, but I'm just going to kind of give a, 
a breakdown of how I started, what a lot of the stuff that I didn't know. Um, and, you know, it, it took me about 10 years to get the equipment that I needed to get headed in the right direction. And I had a pretty good mentor at that time. And we'll definitely talk about that as we go on. Um, but anyway, so everybody knows that, um, a buddy of mine had shot a bear upon a, a lease that we had. And at the time, you know, I was dating my, my wife, my first wife, I know and dogs has caused two divorces guys. So just, uh, that's how it is. <laughs> I laugh about it, but, um, my first wife and her roommate, um, Porter had bear dogs and we had, we had went out to dinner a couple times and talked about it. And I was a big hunter. Don't get me wrong, man. I stayed in the woods. Um, I, I was an avid bow hunter. I loved to bow hunt and spring turkey was my, my other favorite. Um, and I did deer hunt, but those two were the things that I liked to do the most. And so <clears throat> one of my buddies shot a bear. We called Porter to come track the bear cause we couldn't find it. And he, he come rolling up the next day, which we was like, why is he waiting? Like, you know, get on it now. I need you to come over now. And he was like, nah, man, we'll be over tomorrow. And I'm like, no. So he rolls up in this big black Ford 250 diesel. Um, back then, you know, the extended cabs weren't a, a big commodity. Dogs hanging out of that thing. He had a full-size dog box across the back of it. It was a, t- a topper, basically, and... Um, I don't know how many dogs he had with him, but he rolled out of there, and we went down the holler where he shot the bear. The dogs blowed up, barking, carrying on, and I, that at that instant, I was hooked. Like, it, it was done. Like, that's all it took. And I bought two dogs off of him, two plot dogs. They were my first two dogs. And i just done it on a whim. Like, it got me so excited. I was already a hunter, and I just jumped in and bought two dogs. And I, I went to my granddad's and got two dog houses that he used to have. And I tied them up, up, up above the barn at my dad's. I still lived at home. And that's how my journey started. And, you know, as we go through this process, you know, I, I didn't have, I didn't have a light. I tried to coon hunt those dogs and that was a complete disaster I didn't have tracking collars, and that was another complete disaster. And, you know, until I bought my Brandy female, which was the dog that I won plot days with and won a lot of other hunts with, those two dogs were me two dogs. Like, if your dog run a deer, they'd run a deer. If your dog run a tree coon, they'd run a tree coon. If your dogs treat a bear, they'd, they'd run a tree a bear. But they, they weren't, and I didn't know any better. Like, I chased them scoundrels all over the area – Giles County, Virginia, more more than one night, and um, it wasn't until I got Brandy and started hunting, and that was about a year. It was probably a year or two, year year or so after I had bought those dogs, and then that's when I had kind of got up with my mentor and you know Pappy. I call him Pappy Dale Breeden. You know, he started giving me pointers, and I went to school with Tommy, his son, and that's kind of how we hooked up. And, you know, Dale kind of took me under his wing and, like, you know, showed me the ins and outs. But I'd done a lot of hunting by myself, a lot of trial and error, and that's how I got started. There was no preparation. There was no planning. It's just 
dogs barked, I got excited, and I purchased two dogs. That that was the, the beginning of my journey. So we are going to try our best to deter you from doing that and having a plan in place. Because BB was exactly the opposite of what I'd done. So, BB, tell us, tell us your journey, your beginning. Yeah. So, um, so I always, so I grew up with my grandfather, and he had anywhere from ten to twenty uh, deer dogs at the time since I was a little kid, and I hunted with him every Saturday. I mean, I was carried a BB before I carried a BB gun. I carried a stick. I mean, so I was I was all the time uh, with him. So. I had been exposed to the dog world a little bit more, so um, I would always ride with him to uh, a local guy uh, here that was right up the road. He was a black gold dealer. Hmm. Um, so when the truck would come in, I would go and help you know, move a pallet of dog food because my grandfather would buy a pallet of dog food at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So then there was always the hunt club dues and things like that. You know, A lot of times the dog drivers would get a discounted hunt club do so i knew there was a, a cost associated with it fast forward um i'd always wanted a coon dog and then i got uh got the opportunity to go bear hunting for the first time when i was a sophomore in college and when i did that <clears throat> i you know just was hooked from that um killed my first bear and just saw you know you know what i would consider the the pinnacle of dog work that I would had ever seen compared to the deer hunting world. Mm-hmm. Um, things have gotten a little bit better now with the, um, alphas and things, but what it did is it made me really think, you know, how would I get into the bear dogs? Um, how could I do it? Um, so I put a post on UKC and started coon hunting uh, up at Virginia Tech when I was there, um, three, four, five nights a week with some mutual friends. Um, and then I looked at, at uh, into purchasing my first coon dog. Now, the, the per- first coon dog was a plot, and that was a little bit not thought out and planned out <laughs> as well. Um, and it was a young dog. He wasn't even, he wasn't a puppy, but he was a young dog and he was green. He hadn't been started. I think the guy said he was running rabbits in the yard and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so, um, moving on, you know, I'd hunted the dog pretty hard. Um, Wendell Bond, he let me keep the dog up at his house while I was up at school. Um, and then I could hunt him. You know, um, so it worked out perfect. Did that um, plot dog come from here? No, it came from Asheville, North Carolina. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, and like I said, he would he would just run a track and then and then hit a tree and then mm-hmm. backtrack it. Yeah. Um, but then I had actually gotten my old or my grandfather's because at that time he had kind of slowed off on the deer hunting, so I actually had his wildlife box oh. and the beep beeps. Um, so I actually started, I mean, started hunting with the beep beep. And before that, when I was a kid, we used to have a, or my grandfather had an old 7.3 liter diesel Ford and we would ride the, the paths and, and the dogs would come out of the woods to that diesel motor. We'd look behind us a lot of times and see them falling behind us. Um, but we rode a burning many a gallon of diesel fuel, um, looking for dogs back then. But anyhow, so, um, so yeah, started with the um, 
with the uh, the wildlife box. So moving forward, graduated, and then got my first dog. Um, and kind of the rest is history. She turned out to be one of those once-in-a-lifetime type, type dogs for me, uh, coon hunting. But my intention with coon hunting, getting back to the topic, was I always had the intention of coon hunting leading into the bear dog world. Um, you know, I got to see dog work. I got to practice handling dogs, and um, it just gave me a, a better um, idea to accomplish that goal, I feel like, and help me prepare for getting into the bear dog world. Yeah, and I and I want to I want to go back a little bit, but you and I both just had that conversation that um, you know I didn't know anything about bear hunting either, and once I got my coon dog, that's when I really started learning um, dogs. You know, and it took me a long time because. I would have loved to have Brandy now with the knowledge that I have now, but, you know, she taught me a lot. Um, of course, you know, Pappy taught me a lot about learning to read the dog and, you know, listen to the different barks and stuff like that. So that kind of seg- segued me into the bear world. I I wanted to bear hunt from the start, but I wasn't sure how to do it because I didn't have a plan. I just started acquiring dogs and, you know, going with anybody that would let me go. But you know how it is. Like, you know, us bear hunters are clickish. Like, if you ain't part of our group, you just don't walk in and, you know, say, hey, I want to come hunting with you. Oh, yeah, sure, come on. You know, we're not that way. Um, <clears throat> so it took a while for me to get in with some people to do that. And at the, and at the same time, here I am, a young, young man with – I mean, tra- I mean, do- worthless dogs, really, if you want to be honest about it. I mean, like I said, if yours would run a bear, they'd go with you. But, um, you know, and you know how the older guys look at that. They're like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be chasing his dogs all day. And they didn't. Like, that was on me. Like, spent many days chasing dogs. Um, and they don't like you messing up the races either. You know, that's a part of it. So the, the coon hunting really was my foundation. That's what taught me. Um, what to look for and before we back up like I was very fortunate um, to have some of the quality like you said about autumn having some of the quality dogs that I had without knowing anything about dogs I mean Brandy like phenomenal phenomenal hound she had some holes absolutely she was no not perfect but I was able to win a lot of hunts with her have a lot of good times, a lot of memories, like we talked about before, with that hound. Um, and then, you know, I, bre- I bred her, I raised some pups out of her that were super nice, and then I ended up getting a walker dog from from Pappy that was a Sackett Junior bred dog. And I was learning then, and, you know, he was a super, super nice dog. Um, was able to finish him out relatively, well, really quick with him and then that's kind of when i was bear hunting the whole time but that's kind of when i the bear hunting really took a hold but maybe let's get let's get the the audience up to that point what are some things that we need to look at before we ever get the dog because i didn't look i didn't even ask my dad i just brought him home and you know he had that like 
Are you kidding me? Look on his face because <laughs> they were going on. You know, of course we had we had we had a land and we had a, like a farm and had horses and a barn and stuff. So I was able to put the dogs back out of the way where they weren't a bother. But I didn't even ask. I just did it. You know. So what? What was some things? Where do you guys start? What are we going to start with? Uh, I mean, you might we, we might as well start with somewhere to keep them. Yep. Uh, at the house, you know, where, where how do you intend on? Uh, um, housing them, whether it's going to be chain kennels, uh, crating them in, in at night and, and, and letting them out during the day or something like that. I don't, you know, and then the laws that can are applicable in the location in your location or like locality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, and I'll kind of run through that on the, the law enforcement side of it. You know, um, the county that I live in, out in the county, there is no barking dog. There's no noise ordinance. But now in town limits where I work, there is. And it would be almost impossible to live in my jurisdiction with multiple dogs like you and I do and not be complained on pretty much 24-7 because the law allows that to happen. Like they're, they're, You know, from... from seven o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night or eight o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. Um, the noise, the noise ordinance is, is lax, but at 10 o'clock tonight till seven, eight o'clock in the morning, it's pretty strict. So that would change things. If you lived in a, um, an urban environment instead of the rural communities like you and I live in, uh, something else that you have to think about real quick is dog tags. Like, our county requires it, so every time I go to the vet, give a dog a rabies shot, they send a slip to the county, the board of supervisors, the county, and then they send me a bill for that for that dog, which I have a kennel license, so it changes for me, but I think those tags are $12, $13, dollars a piece, so, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I, I li- you see where I live, I mean, um, when I was up at at the farm, um, we had a neighbor that was a, a mile away that called and complained about the dogs one time when I was actually on travel for work. And, uh, you know, I usually, when I'm there, uh, I can mm-hmm. have a little better handle on, on making them be quiet. But, uh, anyway, so yeah, we've, we've had that happen before. I mean, I've had that happen before and you know, that, that turned into an animal control inspection mm-hmm. yeah you know everything was good to go i mean i had a kennel license and rabies certificates and everything like that so it wasn't a it wasn't a big deal um and actually from that i actually went and met the neighbors where it came from because i did a four-year request to get the call in yeah and and found out who it was and and actually the owner of the property he was apologetic because they actually had an airbnb and it was it was customers of the Airbnb who were out drinking late at night and, and ended yeah. up being drunk and called. Uh-huh. So that's, that's how that, that played out. But, it, you know, now we have a good relationship. You know, if there's any issues, he'll just give me a call or if I, if some of his livestock gets out, I give him a call. So it works out good. Yep. Well, that's building that relationship with the people around you, but yep. So housing where you live is definitely, um, a, a, the first thing you have to take consideration. And like you said, are you going to, can you legally tie your dog out? I know we talked about that. Um, Chris and Chris and Chad and them had talked about that on one of their podcasts about tethering a dog. Um, and can you know? Can you or can you not? 
you know, I my mine and your dogs, you have a couple on on uh runs, but we ha we have kennels for hours and um that's just the way I prefer to do it. It's easier for me with with my setup. So how are you gonna house the dog if you if you are gonna acquire one? Um yeah, neighbors are, are a thing. I mean, yeah, that's a huge thing. And then you got to look, well, I guess the well, next thing, the step would be equipment, right? Well, I mean, another thing to think about, too, is, you know, before we leave the housing, you know, uh, of a dog is well, who's going to look after them if yes. you're not there or have to travel. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a huge thing, especially, I mean, for me, I have to travel for work a decent amount. So uh, luckily I have a good neighbor um, who I can pay to take care of the dogs, and she's real familiar with, with taking care of dogs, but you know, making sure that you have somebody that you trust to look after the dogs. And then, I mean, I'm a little paranoid, so I always have a buddy of mine stop by sometime during the time frame that I'm gone just to make sure everything looks right um, and make it clear that if they see something wrong and have questions to reach out to me and ask because, you know, if there's something like a, you know, I've had some, some like puppies, you know, if you don't, don't mm -hmm. watch them real close. They can get wormy and pulled down quick or something like that. So that's something else you got to really be thinking about is, is, you know, cause there are going to be times that you're going to, yeah. you're going to be gone. And, but yeah. And family vacation or you and I travel, we have to travel some for work, you know, our, our, mm -hmm. our, our jobs require it. So that is a huge factor. And it's even worse for me because I have police dogs and nobody wants around them. So mm -hmm. I have another canine handler that lives just two miles down the road where I live right now, but if I move, that may not be the case and it may not be as easy for me, especially. But, you know, and another thing that you and I run into is the, the number of dogs we have. Um, like, it's a chore. Like, you know, I, I tell everybody I'm going home to do chores, you know. Oh, you live on a farm? No, I just got 55 dogs. Not really, but, you know, I got a whole herd of dogs. So, you know, it takes me... And I've got it down to a science, just like you do, but it takes me mm, 35, 45 minutes in the evening or whenever I do my stuff. If if I feed, I water, I clean pens, I make sure everything's taken care of. Like, it, it takes me that long. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, every time I go out of town, something flipping happens. Like, dog jumps out of the pen or... Um, you know, I've had dogs climb out of the pen and get hit in the road while I was gone, and that's horrible. Um, I've had accidental breedings when I've been gone because I, I tend to double dogs up sometimes, especially in the winter, because I you know I, I you know I want that more the body heat and stuff, so I double them up. So you have stuff like that that happens um, when you're always out of town. So that's a huge huge factor for sure. Yep. So equipment. So my first, um, <laughs> I don't even know what kind of leads I had. I, I probably had some rope that I tied up or something. And then my dad gave me my granddad's old mining lights, his old wheat lights. And I had two of those. And you had to keep putting the, the water and the acid in them because they kept, they were so old, they, they, didn't, they didn't work. So that was the first lights I had. And for a good, well, even when I got Brandy, so I would say a year and a half into my hound hunting career, I did not have a tracking system. None. 
I had a collar with my nameplate on it. And that is a very cumbersome task when you turn a dog loose, especially if you got one that don't come back. You don't know what zip code you're going to find him in. And I can attest to that because I had, I mean, that the, that first dog that I had was that way. And then I had, then I got Brandy and, um, like, you know, she was valuable. Like, you know, I could tell she was different. Like, you know, she was treeing coons for me. I was hunting her. She was getting better and better and better each time I took her. So a buddy of mine at work had a quick track system. So I borrowed his collar from him here, here and there. When he wasn't hunting, he'd let me take his collar for a night or two. And if I needed the system, I'd have to go wake him up or wait till the next morning to go get it. So that was a that was an issue. And I finally was able to um, get me a system. I bought a collar first, had the collar, and then I was able to get the tracking system. And, you know, back then, like we taught BB, like I had just gotten married, you know, had my first child. Like money wasn't on trees, you know. I, I, everything I was making was being sunk into a new home, you know, baby diapers and formula, you know, life. So I didn't have that extra money. I just had to make do with what I had. And looking at it now, I would I would not recommend that for anybody because it's tough. Um, and like I said, well, everything's changed too. I mean, yeah, that's almost been 30 years ago. So things have changed. So the tracking system was an issue. It took me a while to acquire it. I had a collar and, um, yeah, it took a while to get, to get a light. And then you look at the dog box. I had to have a dog box, which I built my first one out of wood. That thing was heavy as a kitchen table. I mean, it was, it was heavy, but that's, that's what I had. That's what I had to use. The Journey on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network is sponsored by Onyx. The most comprehensive mapping system in the world is available by going to onyxmaps.com and downloading their app. Several subscription offers there. Highly recommend you use an Onyx. And here's a true story for you. We've all got that spot where when we turn our hound loose at night, they're going to head that direction. Well, the other night, my hounds headed in a direction for that property that had recently sold. I had no idea who owned that property. I simply opened up my Onyx app, found the landowner information, cut the dogs off, and the next day, I went to their house. And not only did I get permission to hunt there, I think I made some new friends. They are beef farmers, and they do not like raccoons running through the feed bunks leaving their mess behind yeah go to onxmaps.com and download the app today at checkout make sure you use the promo code hxp20 and get 20 percent off when you join us on patreon you will get a discount code for a deeper discount on onyx maps know where you stand with onyx the Journey on Houndsman XP has teamed up with One TDC. This dual-action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's health in four different areas. Their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. 
guys, I've been using this product for the last six months, and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, go to WorkSoWell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on The Journey. Yeah, um, you know, now um, with the invention of social media and Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and things like that, um, and then also with the release of a new Alpha 300 shortly after the 200 was released, um, you know, if somebody's looking to get into to the hunting, you know, there's a lot of options for very good quality equipment um, at a reasonable, you know, at a lesser price. So, mm-hmm. um, like Garmin's older type collars, used collars, um, used collars you got to be a little careful with because that antenna wire will break um, for the GPS. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a huge, you know, there's a lot of inventory out there right now. Um, if you just, just go look on Facebook marketplace, uh, I remember, uh, was it last week or when the alpha 300s dropped, mm-hmm. uh, just the numbers of collars and, and, and alphas that were being put on, uh, Facebook marketplace was, was kind of comical. Nice guy. So if, if somebody's in it, you know, I mean, if somebody's looking into it, you know, they can always do that second hand option, right. you know, and even with dog boxes, there's always dog boxes up there. Now they, they don't. They tend to hold their value a little better um, mm-hmm. for those aluminum type boxes, but um, there are still use use stuff and equipment that's out there. Light uh, lights. I hadn't seen as much of the lights um, out, you know, and around. But it's hard to beat a good quality of light for sure. Yeah, and you're, you're you're giving really good advice. Like you can always go. You can always get what you can afford and. I mean, I know some guys that are still using the three hundred, the three twenties. I mean, um, they haven't even upgraded from the three twenty to the one hundred, and you know, I I still carry my one hundred. Like that's the that's the tracker that I have the two hundred. I don't have the three hundred yet, but I carry the two the hundred with me all the time. And I guess I'm just used to it and whatever. And I don't have no. It works. So it, for me, it's not. Um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like right this second that I need to go, how, I don't even know what the $300 or what, $800, $900. Um, I do like that the collar on the new, the new TT25s are, are smaller. I do like that. It's a little bit, should be a little bit lightweighter, make it a little easier on dogs, but yeah. So got to have a place to put them and you got to start looking at some equipment, whether it be, um, you know, whatever kind of tracking system you can find um and afford you know you can find a dog box like you said you can go on facebook marketplace or you can you can find a a hand-me-down or used box which if i was going to start that's probably where i'd start into it um and then your vehicle you know that's that's something else but i think we left out like uh some important stuff that we probably should backtrack on real quick oh yeah you know there's always uh uh, just general medical maintenance type mm-hmm. stuff like dewormers and, yep. uh, um, you know, certain things that you're going to have to have with a dog, whether it's, you know, some kind of an ear cleaner or something like that. If you have a dog that gets <clears> bad <throat> ear infections or, 
Um, trying to think of some you know heartworm medicine yep. medication uh tick, tick. medication mm-hmm. is, is another you know whether you choose to go topical or do like the brevecto pill mm-hmm. um you know there's you know a whole bunch of i'm just actually looking here on my on my my equipment uh workbench here for all my dog stuff and you know you got radios i got radios you know mm-hmm. that i use hunting um let's see uh what else is up there so was that tough foot so yep. tough stuff for feet <clears throat> if, if they're running them you know if you're running them hard they they blow out a pad or something like that so i mean yeah there's there's all kinds of things that just through necessity um Usually, it's one of the things when something happens, you'll purchase something to try and help resolve it, whether it's some kind of wound care stuff or something like that as well. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm on me and you have kind of the same setup. You know, I have a workbench downstairs, it's got all my chargers on it, and I keep my dog food over on the side of it. But then, I mean, it's got like you're right, I've got all my medicines. I mean, I've got um, dogs are protected. You know the pad coat. Um, I've got the hydrate the system. You know from Dogs Retreat. Of course, you know we we use those products. Uh, the one TDC, um, and like I said, that's not counting your yearly. You know your really boost your yearly boosters. Like I said, you can get by with the rabies every three years after your initial one. So that that costs kind of you know, but then you got to look like some vets. Like you, you go to get a rabies shot, and I, I just want a rabies shot. They charge you that that office fee, which it used to be thirty five dollars. I don't know what it is now. It's probably double that. But um, yeah, so you have fees, and you you and I talked about this before, BB. Like if you're gonna hunt a dog, I don't care if it's a coon dog or a, a bear dog. More likely with a big game hound, whether it be hogs or bear, or lion or bobcat or whatever, like the dogs are gonna sustain some injuries. Like you said, even if it's just tearing a, a pad or break, you know, tearing a toenail off, so on and so forth, or getting, you know, for us, you know, getting cut sometimes, getting some puncture wounds. Um, like I said it before, you know, even when I was competition hunting, I was up in uh, Ohio, and Brandy run through a barbed wire fence, and that barbed wire literally looked like you took a razor blade and went from her shoulder down to her back hip and filleted her open. Nothing but the skin did not touch the meat, but I she had a pile of staples in her for a long time trying to make that heal. So, you know that's even with your coon dogs. Yep. So, yeah, you definitely never know when you're going to turn. You know what what will happen when you turn them loose. But yeah, I mean as far as other just general equipment, you know, um, depending on what your goal is and what you're hunting, you know, you got to have your you know, your boots, your clothing, mm-hmm. depending on your terrain. Uh, also, you know, your, your gun, if you're, if you're taking anything, mm-hmm. um, hunting you know, license, hunting licenses, that's, that's yeah. another big one, um, to make sure you got everything covered there. Um, I mean, in the truck, you know, something that I always have with me is, uh, you know, I got one of those electric, electric chainsaws now that's, mm-hmm. uh, usually rides in the truck in the toolbox and then you know during bear season i have a gas powered capsule winch you know so there's all kinds of gear that you can acquire through out your starting process um 
but you'll find yourself in situations potentially where some of those things are really nice to have machetes that's another perfect example of, of something mm-hmm. that's that's nice to have um yeah, especially in your terrain. I'm putting it back in my truck. <laughs> like, yeah, and you know, you talk about the terrain. Like, what I wear with you is completely different than what I wear here. Like, you know, we'll just kind of give you all guys a breakdown a little bit. I mean, you're talking about the, just the difference in the clothing. You know, you need the briar bit britches or the, or the chaps because you don't get into them. Um, we wear, I mean, I'm wearing rubber boots. I'm wearing my muck boots down there most of the time. Because we're in water, and you know, leather gloves. Yep. The gloves. Leather gloves are a must down here for yeah. sure. <laughs> and then for me, like I mean, I can just wear regular. You know, I used to, I wore car. I mean, I, I I wore Carhartts for a long, long time. Um, and I've switched over a little bit and wear some different stuff now because of the base layers. But like, I can't get like when I wear my good stuff to your place, it shreds them. Like it does, it shreds them. And I don't wear my good my boots down there either because I don't want them waterlogged nonstop because that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. different difference in the terrain and um, sure. <clears throat> so let's and, and we left out one of the major factors dog food. Uh, if you're feeding oh, yeah. if you're feeding one dog, you know you can buy a good quality food. Um, for probably you know for what forty sixty dollars a bag. I would say that would be the, the, the range, right? I would say you can, you can still get, a, I think, something quality for just over 30, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I would say anywhere from 30 to 60 is definitely yeah. a... Where you, the mid-range, yeah, where you'll be at, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, dog food, you know, feeding one dog, you know, basically the, the rule of thumb is one fifty pound bag per month per dog. If you're feeding multiple dogs, you start you start breaking that down. And breaking it down and breaking it down. Um, I mean, I buy mine by the pallet because it's just cheaper for me to buy it in bulk. Um, so dog food is another. That's a that's a weekly or monthly expense. So, so uh, that's something you have to definitely take into consideration um, when you when you for think sure. about that. And, and storage. And if you're going to buy in bulk, yes. storing it, making sure it's in a in a place where one rodents can't get into it and it's it's kept dry. Correct. Because I've run into issues with that buying bulk as well. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we've got us. We've got. We've decided where we're gonna where we're gonna house a dog. Whether we live where where we live. Can I can I have one dog or can I get a couple dogs? I live out in the country. Um, we've got us some equipment. Uh, we got, you know, we got us a, 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 tra- a tracker we can keep up with the dog. We got us an old dog box. We, we definitely have a vehicle that we can get around in. Now we need the dog. Yeah, yeah, the, the dog would help. The You know, um, something that I was thinking about that, as far as, uh, um, you know, getting a dog and, and stuff like that, you know, and it depends on a person's experience um you know hopefully if you've if you've if you've been acquiring equipment right or already have some of this stuff and you're thinking about it um hopefully you've been you know either looking or or trying to communicate with some other folks out there whether it's a mentor situation or just talking to some folks and tagging along on a hunting uh you know to to go hunting with them um and I think that, that, that doing so 
if if you're able to find a, that mentorship or the mentor and and then um or have a, a base group of folks or houndsmen that you can kind of communicate with will definitely aid you in the looking for a dog process um starting out uh if if somebody doesn't have much experience with a dog or, or a hunting dog i would definitely recommend uh not getting a puppy and not getting a um a young dog that's you know so-called started um, i would start off with something that's you know maybe a little older um or or old you know really um and is uh you know pretty much broke um just to to start to learn that process and how how to hunt that dog and and then maybe you could step in you know if you if you have that broke dog that might help you step into that puppy down the road but uh, i think that that's one of the most common mistakes that i see folks do is they get this this itch they want to get into bear hunting or coon hunting or in coon hunting i would say you have maybe a better chance of of getting a puppy that is a natural you just got to have the the go to go out there and let that dog uh, figure it out or set him up in situations where to help him figure it out um, big game it's a little different uh, than that it can be done with big game um, but it's a little bit harder just because of the there's not as many uh, just population, you know, there's just not as much a, a big population as say a coon would be. So getting that ex- repetitions and experience is difficult when you're trying to start a young dog mm-hmm. um, without that older dog in that situation. But yep, that's, that'd be my recommendation is to definitely start with an older solid dog with whatever you're trying to get into. Yeah. And I know that uh, I think me and Chris and Mark, Dufresne had had this conversation and you know I think Mark said the same thing you know do not start out with a puppy if you don't know anything um and then you and I had had this conversation to kind of follow up on that you know I, I feel like that if you are going to coon hunt it's easier it would be easier to train a dog by yourself I mean we can we can we can watch videos and read books and talk to people and you can take a dog and if the dog's got enough genetic promise that you're just going to have to, to give him opportunity, give him opportunity where bear hunting is a little different. Um, by, by far you're chasing two different animals. Um, and it, 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 yeah, it's just different. So, but I think what you're saying is right. And, you know, if you're going to get into coon hunting, you could probably get away with a good young started dog going with somebody that has a nice dog, but you're going to depend on them for a little bit um, if if things don't line out for you. And then, you know, if you're getting into bear hunting, you definitely want to go with some people that know what they're doing because, uh, you know, I, I have talked about it before on this, this, this podcast. You know, catching a bear by myself was... Um, it was difficult. It was really difficult. Um, and I had been hunting for several, I mean, like I said, several years. Uh, and I had an old dog named Frosty and 
I could go hunting with somebody else and that dog looked good. I mean, he always run up front. He always trailed and open right when the dogs did or maybe a little bit before or right there with them. Um, Rough Bear didn't run him off, but he never he never got himself tore up. He was one of those dogs. You, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it took me a long time to to tree a bear by myself, and that was a feat. I mean, it was not something that just happened. I just didn't luck up. But then again, back then we didn't have the population of bear we have now either. Um, so that that's a whole other topic, another story for another day. But yeah, I would I would suggest the same thing if you could buy a an older dog that can kind of teach you or show you um or get you in the right direction that would be my recommendation to and then if you wanted to upsize and get you a young started dog because i will tell you i train dogs professionally that's my job like i train dogs to put out here in the communities to find narcotics explosives weapons evidence I train tracking dogs that are to train Pete to find people, which is, that's my specialty because of the hounds. That's what I really enjoy. And I've trained dogs to apprehend and hold people. And I, I have messed up more hounds than I ever have police dogs. Um, because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand behavior. I didn't understand what drives a dog. Um, so staying away from that puppy to begin with is solid advice. Yeah, it's, um, you know, um, one thing that the, 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 the hounds will teach you is patience for sure. Um, and I have to remind myself about it a whole lot. So, you know, uh, you really have to, to be patient, um, because you're going to get aggravated, and, you know, especially more so if, if you're new and maybe not understanding exactly this whole situation. And I'm not saying that I understand the whole situation because if I, you know, with a do- when it comes to a dog, because if I did, I would, I would have a whole lot better mm-hmm. dogs than yeah. that too. But, uh, you know, a lot of it is, 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 you know, admitting to yourself that you don't know. Um, and then also... <clears throat> putting the dedication in to keep going you know i don't know how many folks that i know of that have gotten frustrated and and that they just burn out or they don't go enough they don't they get frustrated and then they don't go and you know they kind of take a break or whatever and then they get frustrated the next time they go because they hadn't been hunting hunting to begin with so you know that you know definitely if 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 the overall goal for a person i think is to, to get into having a pack of bear hounds I would say it's solid advice to start coon hunting Mm -hmm. and maybe potentially, you know, start there, learn a dog, learn to hunt and hunt hard enough to keep a dog up and in shape because one dog or two dogs is easy. If you multiply that and have, you know, multiply that by three and have six dogs, eight dogs, or, you know, or it can even go up higher having that many dogs and then having them and keeping them in shape and up, up to snuff and in running, you know, shape is very hard. Um, you have to, I mean, it's a, 
you know, how I look at it is, is it's, I want to go, but at the same time I make myself go too, mm-hmm. um, because I know for, for me to have what I want with my goals, um, you got to hunt them hard. They're, they're just, you know, they're just like an athlete. Well, I think that that just kind of segues into the next, the next step is the commitment do you have? Um, like, you know, are you going to be able to hunt? Let's just, you know, let's just start back with the coonhound. Are you going to be able to hunt two or three nights a week? Um, or are you going to be able to hunt two nights a month? And if it's two nights a month, then maybe you should go with a buddy that's got a hound. Like, really? And then, you know, let's talk about bear hunting. You know, different states have different seasons. Um, you know, that's why I travel a lot. I mean, even if I, like I said, I can get down and hunt, you know, with you guys for a, a two days, that's two days that I can't hunt here and I can't. You know, I can get my dogs off, you know, piggyback off you guys a little bit because y'all been running, knock the dust off mine, keep their mind pointed in that direction, you know, bear odor, bear odor. And, um, but I got to travel to do that. I've, you know, I, got, I have to travel. And um, so the commitment, the commitment, are you, are you going to be a, um, a part-time hunter? And I don't mean that, I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Because there's been times in my life that I'm a, I've been a part-time hunter because of my life, because of marriage and kids and um, work that, you know, every other weekend on Friday and Saturday night was it. Or, you know, bear hunting, you know, when I first started bear hunting, that was another thing, you know. The job that I worked, um, I was only allowed two weeks of vacation. Well, one week of that was spent with the family at the beach. And then the other week, which is five days, I, you know, I took off during bear season, and I had to do a couple, a day or two in training season, and a day or two in kill season. I took tried to take the first week of kill. So, um, you know, that commitment. You know how how much are you going to be able to hunt? You know how much time are you going to be able to spend? Then we get into one of the other biggest things, BB, is location. You know, this was a big thing for you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, where are you going to hunt? Is 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 you know, when it comes to the big game world is, I mean, any, any, any game now, I would say, um, is, is getting smaller and smaller. Um, so yeah, you know, are you going to be close to, to that population that you're looking to hunt with, with the dog, you know, um, do you have a good coon population close by? Um, and then do you have access and permission to hunt that land? You know, is it public private and things like that, you know, here, you know, I'm paying, you know, hunt club leases and mm-hmm. um, different things like that because most of the thing, most of the stuff here is private. Um, so, uh, you know, that's a tremendous amount that you have to really um, dedicate to just have the access um, and everything. And then also I've been, you know, pretty blessed with the mentor I have, you know, Doug and, and the access that that mm-hmm. having that mentorship gives me um so with, with him so you know that's uh you know that's a i'm i'm fortunate here now I, I would imagine out west it might be a little different you know with with um just you know more federal land or or public land but at the same time too a lot of the guys out west drives you know i think they drive you know mm-hmm. they might drive a whole lot further out there to get to where they hunt so they're still traveling. I mean, for me, I'm tra- I'll travel. I'll go to Maine every year. I used to go to Ontario. Um, 
you know, then I'm hunting, you know, Virginia and North Carolina as well. I mean, I'd, I'd be open to go hunt. I mean, I hunt in the middle part of the state as well um, when the, that season comes in. So it's definitely one of those things where, um, you know, uh, opportunities and having a huntable population somewhere. Because, you know, for me, if, if they don't have a bear, you know, it's really no point in me hunting there, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and, and a lot of people, they'll sit, they say they see a bear there in, in the summertime and, you know, summertime is when the crops are in the field, mm-hmm. you know. So while you might have all this great cropland to hunt the wintertime, and if all that crop had been picked two months prior, you know, they've already, you know, uh, moved back into those big river bottoms and, and things like that. And especially in the central part of the state, it's probably one of the biggest places I've seen that um, where they actually move. So if, if you miss that time frame that they're in that location, you know, that access that you might have to that land doesn't do you any good because they're, they're, that population has trans, is transient and has moved to a different location. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like I'm kind of on the different end of the spectrum, you know, I have to hunt, um, national forest mostly, um, our private land here. Um, I mean, only your, your dairy farms or your big farms have that type of land. And if they're cattle farms, most of them's cut most of the trees. So that, that, that changes the whole, the dynamics of the terrain. So I hunt national forest. Um, and I've, I've always felt this way and I feel this way. I live in one of the best places in the world because I can go in the woods. I can get on the creeks. I can get on the river and I can do all that from my house. Um, I do have to drive and and when I drive to hunt, it takes me a little over an hour, no matter which direction I go to get to where I hunt, where I live now. Um, and BB things have changed over the, the, you know, the 30, right at 30 years I've been doing this, especially in the last, I would say in the last 10 years, the uptick um, of bear hunting groups. So then we got to look at etiquette. Okay, so, you know, okay, you got a dog and you're going hunting. And if you're hunting, like for you, it's a little different because y'all can kind of keep in and out because of the, the private land. Like for me, it's National Forest. Everybody and their brother. Like anybody from any state, anywhere can come and hunt where I hunt. Like it's not mine. It, I don't. I don't own it. I don't. I mean, they pay a license. They buy a license. They can come and hunt there. So I can go to my favorite spot in the morning, and somebody already be piled up in it and running or taking dogs down. You know, down the path, whatever. So that's something else you have to think about when you're acquiring a dog. Um, coon hunting's a little different. You know. Most of your coon hunters hunt farms and um, farmland. And, I mean, I did hunt. I I coon hunt a national forest um, quite a bit, actually. And But, you know, so that's something that you have to take into consideration. Are you going to be able to find land leases like what you have? Are you going to have to hunt national forest like I do? And if you're out west, I mean, what is that? What is that situation like for you in that state or that area? that that you do hunt so that's a huge um i mean that's i mean having the dog is probably the main thing and then i think that is probably the second thing for me is the territory 
Yeah, um, you know, and, and Virginia is a little different and North Carolina is a little different too. And then, you know, just, you know, another example of, um, you know, having that opportunity is Maine. You know, a lot of places in Maine, you have to, you almost need to be a registered Maine guide mm-hmm. um, with leased bait sites or have land enough, you know, land under permission to run. Um, so that's another area where it's it's just kind of tough for some of those folks up there who want to get into the to the bear dog world, um, just because um, the outfit and business is so competitive up there. It's a great opportunity if you potentially want to make it a uh, you know make outfit and a, a, you know your livelihood up mm-hmm. there is is definitely a great opportunity up there if you can get into it and find the right situation. But as far as as a hobby, um, it's very difficult to to justify and uh get that access you know to um to to bear hunt with dogs up there yeah yeah well like i said and that's you know you and i both travel i mean i go up north and i come down y'all's way and and you know i hunt here and you know you come here and then you go up north and you you travel so again that goes back to your commitment you know are you going to be able to hunt are you going to be able to um, actually do the dog justice from when you when you either purchase it or you have it um put you know just putting a dog in a pen or on the chain especially a hound you know that's that's not what they're supposed to be doing you know like i said they're supposed to be out and hunting that's what they're genetically programmed for so well maybe if we we go to wrap this up um anything we've left out anything that we haven't touched base with I mean, we can kind of run back through it real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, the mentor, if you can, if you're able to find a good mentor, um, you know, it used to be the UKC forums were real popular, um, but with other things and, and uh, social media now, it might be a little bit easier to go that route if some of those mentors uh, might be, might be starting to use or be familiar with Facebook and use it or, um, Instagram or things like that, uh, or go wild, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that might be a good place. Um, but you know, for somebody that's looking to, for a mentor, you know, you're, you're going to have to understand too, that, um, you know, a lot of times a good mentor is very honest mm-hmm. <laughs> about your dog and evaluating your dog. If you, you know, whatever you decide to choose, um, you might not agree with them, um, but it's definitely worth, uh, um, the, the, what the input they provide can definitely provide some value to you in the long run. If you choose to heat it, if, if you choose to use it. So that, that's one thing for sure that I would say that is kind of can be a little tough when, when, um, having a mentor sometimes, um, and then too, you know, it, you know, it's not going to be easy. You know, there might be several times that you have to really help out and, and maybe not bring a dog mm-hmm. or not even have a dog yet. Um, and, and show, you know, that you're willing to be in there and help lead a dog out or go, you know, if it's, you know, help him around, you know, doing, help him went around doing whatever, you know, um, you know, I guess you could call it almost like a vetting process, you know, to yeah. a degree, but there's definitely time that you're going to have to invest into it to build a relationship in order to get that mentorship. 
for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't be where I'm at in, even in my job or in my, my hunting career or even on this podcast. Um, if I hadn't built relationships and, um, be mentored by people that, you know, I think that's very important is finding, if you can find, and I, I'm pretty sure we're just kind of reiterating what we had said before is, you know, find somebody who will take you on their wing and do the extra work, lead their dogs, go feed their dogs when they're out of town or they're sick, you know, go take care of them. Um, they see you putting in the work and they know how hard it is because they're doing it every day. Then they're probably going to be more apt to, to pull you in and, and help you. Uh, mentors are important. Um, dog selection. I know you and I talked about that is huge uh, in the beginning because it will make or break you. I mean, I was just too hard headed and dumb to know any better. Like really, I kept two dogs, um, that were not even mediocre and chased them scoundrels around in the woods for hours and hours and hours and days. Um, cause I didn't know any better. I, I, I just didn't know any better. So, you know, selection is good. If you can, if you can afford an older dog that, that still has a couple good years left in it and can teach you the ropes, um, you know, I think that's phenomenal. And I, and I kind of go back to that, you know, like that book that Ed Vance wrote, you know, trained by a hound, like, you know, Brandy and Frosty taught me more about hunting coons and bear than anybody as far as like you know i was doing it by myself i was hunting hard i knew where to go strike coons i knew where to go strike bear um but the mentorship taught me about the dogs Hmm. you know that's you know they that's what um is important about the mentorship is it'll teach you you know it'll teach you things the dogs can't um, so it's kind of, you know, it's a partnership, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I would just say, you know, to, you know, just to wrap it up, you know, one of the biggest traps is, oh, um, I'll, uh, you know, if you go to get that puppy or something like that, and then somehow or another you end up with two or three, cause it was a better deal <laughs> that that's never a good option either. Well, um, you know, that's always, that's that, that you can almost classify that as a trap just starting out. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it can't work out, but at the same time, it, it, training three puppies at one time uh, can be very, it's, you know, multiply that time dedication that's required mm-hmm. for one t- by three. And, uh, and that just shows you how much time it would take to actually give them all the fair shake. They're the same shake. So, well, I'm doing um, it right that, now. Like I'm doing, I I got the three puppies out of the A litter, which are a year old and I'm struggling. I've got one that's ahead of the other two. Um, I've got the second that is coming on and I got to put some time in him. Like I can start seeing those things that I I want. And then the third one's been put on the back burner and it's not fair to her. And I like, I'm really battling like what I'm going to do. Um, she hasn't had the opportunity that the other, the other, the, the, the one females had. And like I said, she, she's not had the opportunity. And now those two 
are like moving forward and I can't stop. You can't just stop and say, okay, I'll come back in a couple months and get y'all out after I take her out and get her started. Um, so I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in that situation right now. And I know like I train, I, I, this is what I do, but it's tough, man. It's tough. And I can't, I can't, I cannot justify, I cannot give her justification. Let's just say that. I cannot do her right by taking the other two and putting her on the back burner. But then if I put them two on the back burner, I'm just messing, I'm just setting them back. Mm-hmm. So, yes, absolutely. That's, that's, that's really good. That's good advice. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and the other thing is, is just to <clears throat> have a goal, you know, set your goal and then kind of develop your own plan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of overall is, is develop that plan and, and modify that plan to meet your goal if you know if the goal changes you know don't don't just go into this as a on a whim because it's mm-hmm. it, the the time required to to own and have and have a hound um a hunting hound is um uh, it's a lot i mean it's it's a lifestyle for sure it's, i would uh, you know some people might classify it as a hobby but uh, you know a hobby is I don't know if you get as frustrated with some of the hobbies like like we do with these hounds, but it's well, definitely a lifestyle is how I classify it. Well, and uh, BB, I think you that I think that hits the nail on the head with every houndsman is it's a way of life with them. It's a lifestyle. It's not a hobby with them, um, and you can't be a part timer. You know, you're either in or out. Um, and I think all houndsmen who who are true houndsmen who listen to this would say, yeah, like it's a lifestyle for me, like. You know, a lot of my vacation, most of my vacation time is revolved around hunting trips, going here, going there, hunting dogs, whatever. Um, almost, you know, and we said it on the other one podcast with uh, Craig Koshik with the history. You know, everything we do is for, because, and with our dogs. Like, and it really is. I mean, um, yeah, we spend time with our family, but our family hunts. Like, you know, mine are with me. 85% of the time, 85% of the time I have one or two or three of them or all of them with me. Um, so yes, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not a, it's not a, a part-time thing. And I think all houndsmen would resonate with that. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, we are going to wrap this up. Think about where you live. Think about how you're going to, um, house the animal the dog ain't animal dog um do you have somebody that can help you take care of it if you're you're pulled away for work or vacation or whatever um you know think about some of the costs that you're going to occur um bb and i both have wrote down what we spent during a year and we throw that away because we didn't want to see it because it makes you hurt (laughs) so you need to you know do you have money in your budget to to buy dog food and to buy some of the equipment you need and do the extra the the vet bills and the shots and stuff like that to to provide adequate care for that hound and then you know are you going to be able to be committed where are you going to hunt and do you have somebody that that can take you under their wing and help you and mentor you and you i'm not saying you can't do it by yourself because we we know people that have and that, that do um but it just it may take you a little longer to get there if you do it by yourself. So I think that's it in a nutshell. And 
maybe is a great topic. Like I said, I hope yep. this helps um, anybody that's interested in getting a dog and starting to hunt. I hope this gives you some food for thought. And I think BB approached this the right way. He had a plan. He had a he had an idea in mind where I did not. Man, I just went out on the limb and jumped. <laughs> I just plunged off of there, and here we go. Um, and looking at it now, like, yeah, I should have done things completely different, but I didn't. Here I am almost 30 years later, and I still love it. So I was hooked that day. <laughs> yeah. All right, BB. I really appreciate your time this evening, and hopefully I can get down in a week after next and we can post some cool videos. That one you posted yesterday or today uh, coming out of the truck, I thought that was pretty cool. So, Yeah. All yeah, right. Today worked out good, so I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm jealous. So, All right. Thank you for helping us teach, train, and learn. 